Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. And with me, I have the incredible CEO of the Real Estate Institute of Queensland, Antonia Mercarella. Hi, Antonia. Hello, Leanne. So nice to be with you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I can only imagine how busy you are at the moment. It, it is definitely a crazy time. It is, but certainly I know from my role at REI, and I'm just guessing that yours is the same in Queensland, we've actually picked up a lot of members during the COVID time, right? Are you finding the same thing? Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's some real silver linings uh, that have come from COVID. I mean, let's be honest, we'd rather not have it with us. But yeah. I think when we face times of adversity, it's often when peak bodies can really demonstrate their relevance and their significance. And um, yeah. it's been really overwhelming, the support that we've received. But the other really wonderful thing about about um, I guess what we've been going through is I've never seen the real estate industry work um, as cooperatively and as collectively as, as they have during this time. You know, really just coming together all to ensure that um, we're doing the right things so that we continue to have the privilege of being able to transact real estate. And really it's been funny to watch the way everybody is prepared to keep each other accountable so and not in a nasty way but sort of calling each other out don't do that that might get us in trouble we don't want to and so that's sort of one of the really great things that have come out of this and I'm hoping you know you you just want to kind of bottle that up and uh and and somehow continue to spread that around when when we're out of this sort of disastrous time so yeah I completely agree yeah. yeah, the collaboration has been amazing. Um, so, yeah, let's hope we can continue. Hope we can continue with that. So tell me, what was your career path to get you to this position as CEO of REIQ? Yeah, it was a uh, a bit of a zigzag, certainly not. Um, I didn't follow the most conventional path. So I've got uh, my studies, my degrees. Uh, I have a. I actually have a background in theatre. So okay. I did a. I did a. I did a bachelor of educational theatre. Uh, that was sort of what I did. Uh, straight out of high school, I auditioned for a course that was run out of Adelaide Uni Performing Arts, oh, wow. and I finished that. Yeah, and then um, and then I went on and studied law, um, and then. <laughs> When I came out of uh, law, I became a solicitor, got admitted, worked in a law firm and really disliked it, (laughs) decided it wasn't for me and I threw the towel in and went to work at State Theatre Company in South Australia, uh, which I always say was the worst paid job I've ever had but also probably the most fun I've ever had too. Really, really such a great role working for a flag uh, flagship theatre company. It was really outstanding. And then, um, and then, sort of following that, I've worked. I worked as a um, as a mediator, as a conciliator. I had a really keen interest in alternative dispute resolution. And then I guess after a few different roles in a sort of in a few different quasi legal roles is the way I would describe mm-hmm. them. I ended up getting a gig. And I shocked, I was so shocked when they offered it to me with the Real Estate Institute of South Australia about oh, about 17 years ago, I guess. Wow. I had just moved back, we'd just moved back to Adelaide. We'd been living in Melbourne. Um, we moved back to Adelaide, which is where I'm originally from. And I got this job as a um, 
as a legal counsel for Risa, which was crazy because I didn't have, I, had, I hadn't practised law for very long and in-house roles are few and far between, so I would have been up against some really serious competition, had no background in property. To this day, I just, I don't know what they saw in me, frankly, but they saw something, thank goodness. And so I moved into that role and that's really uh, what threw me into this real estate sector. And um, and I just immediately fell in love with it. I started to um, try to do everything I could to learn about property and real estate and um so I stayed with Risa uh, for a number of years and then I left and I um, ended up actually establishing my own law firm uh, with my husband um, and we did that. And then, but I continued to work for Risa as their external legal okay. counsel. So I've really stayed in this space, really, I've been working in this space for close to 20 years and yeah. then I ended up. We moved up to Queensland because my husband's a Queenslander uh, and we moved here about 10 years ago and, uh, and I just came to see the REIQ. It wasn't even with a view to coming to work here. It was more just to let the then CEO know that I was going to be in town, I was moving here and if there was any, anything going to keep me in mind and then somehow he ended up convincing me to take... Um, a general counsel role okay. with REIQ. And so that's where it started. And then I moved into deputy CEO role and then became the CEO about six years ago now. So if you had said to me that this is where I would be uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago even, I would never have believed it. Um, I wish I could tell you that I was this really ambitious woman with a laser focus on being a CEO, but I'd be, I'd be lying. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Certainly it's not. This is not where I saw myself either. So we all know that there's not a lot of leadership, female leadership in the real estate space. How do you find that being often the only woman in the room? Yeah, it's definitely something I notice. Um, I So I won't say I don't notice it. Um, I do. I try not to let it impact me. I'm very much a believer in just being myself. So um, I try and just be who I am and be the best I can be. Mm. Um, I, it, 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 it hasn't um, prevented me um, from, I guess, progressing. Mm. Uh, but we look, we all have a story, multiple stories, let's be honest, sure. about, you know, conduct and being the only woman in the room and, and encountering behaviour that's less than professional. But I've got to tell you, it's not unique to, to real estate. And, and I mean, you know, I've got to tell you, I've worked in law firms and uh, there's some pretty interesting conduct that happens there. And so I I try and just focus on, on myself, my own conduct, um, uh, doing what I can to improve my skills, my knowledge. I feel like, though, what I will say about this, Leanne, is I have had the privilege of working with some really um, great people in my life, men and women. So now that I'm in this role, you know, I'm in the privileged position of being a CEO, of being a leader, uh, I make a really conscious effort with, with my team to help them to develop and to, in particular, um, in particular, I find that women uh, have a tendency 
to um, hold back, you know, to, to, to wait for the perfect opportunity. They, we can be quite self-deprecating. If there's a role going, we'll convince ourselves that, you know, there's, there's a list of 10 things and unless we tick every single box, then we're not worthy. You know, it, it's a bit like the way you felt about the law, the um, the legal counsel yeah, job in yeah. South Australia, right? Yeah, quite right, quite right. Good, good pickup. <laughs> and so, you know, I it's and it's funny how we're really good at giving advice to others, but not following our own advice. So, I mean, I try and do that in my role. I've got I've got some outstanding young women here, and I've got lots of outstanding men too. But I do try and be conscious of that, and um and and do what I can to try and help them to understand that um, you know. They're just as good and, frankly, in, in many cases better and, and just really going for it because I, I do think we have, I, I don't, there's a, there's a multitude of reasons, I'm sure, as to why we do this as women and I want to be careful because I know I am generalising. But, you know, the, the biological reality is that we bear the children. Men can't. It's not biologically possible. And so there's that, you know, there's, that, there's those issues of taking a, you know, potentially taking a career break or, or wanting to work part-time or, or um, it, you know, the, the list is sort of endless. And, and the so, other thing, I was talking about this with somebody the other day and she said to me, you know what, Leanne, I'm ambitious, I'm good at what I do, but I just don't want to play the game the way the boys play. And I thought, you know what, that's probably true of a lot of us because they do approach things very differently, rightly or wrongly, very differently to, to women, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's such a, I mean, it's such a fascinating thing. You know, I reflect even on, you know, even on my childhood, I think about my, my male friends, my cousins, um, you know, the, 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 the difference in the way boys and girls behave and just the way we view things and approach things. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, something I do love about working with women, and again, I am generalising, so I'll apologise for doing so, but I always try and play things with a straight bat. I'm not one to play games, you know, to your point. I, I don't have an interest in doing those things. So I, I find that um, I'm prepared to have some pretty tough conversations. Um, yep. In fact, when my husband and I ran a law firm together, he would run a country mile. He would he would do anything he could to avoid a tough conversation, and it was always Antonia. That's your thing, and so I feel like, and I don't want to say men aren't all men aren't good at this, but I even see it in my own sons. You know, I find that I'm the one in the family. It'll always be my husband will call on me, or my kids will call on me to just to have that tough conversation, to, to handle things because I'm pretty black and white. Like I just, you know, the problem, I like to jump on it, I like to address it, let's have a conversation and let's try yeah, and resolve it. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I know there's a lot of men that I've worked with and very senior um, successful men that avoid conflict like the plague. And let's face it, a tough conversation doesn't have to be conflict, right? As you say, you want to jump on yeah. it and get it straightened out. So I wonder if... That's just a different, it's just a different mindset. It's a different way of approaching it. It's like, let's get to a resolution rather than thinking, viewing it as conflict. Yeah, I 
think so. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think thing, I think it becomes a conflict because you leave it. Uh, you know, I mean, we've all, you know, we all know how it works. That's some great advice this, right there, right? You've yeah, got this little, you've got this little problem that yeah. starts out pretty small, but you let it grow. And of course, as human beings, right? When we're annoyed about something, if we don't have a conversation with one another, it just grows and festers. And suddenly, when it explodes, you look like a freak because you look like you're you're you've exploded over this one minor thing but of course it's not that minor thing at all there's a much deeper issue there that's just been left unresolved for for too long so that's so true i guess you would have seen a lot of that in your mediation days absolutely i mean that the, the fascinating thing about being a mediator and you know the very first mediator gig i got was i spent some time i did some of my studies over at the at in the US, I did a, I did some of my law degree through an international exchange program, oh, wow. and that's where I first did my sort of first round of training in alternative dispute resolution. And I ended up going to work as a as a court mediator, but on really minor civil matters, Leanne. So mm-hmm. I can't remember what the um, threshold limit was, but I think it was something like under six grand. So we're not talking major commercial disputes. But what's fascinating about that is whether you are um, trying to facilitate a resolution of something that involves $2,000 or even $20, I might add, all the way through to, to a claim that's worth potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. It's really interesting the way when you break it down, you almost always end up at the same place, which is that there's just been a lack of communication, right? Like it's just that this thing has gotten out of control because, you know, communication was poor. You didn't establish the right parameters. People didn't understand their responsibilities and their rights and their obligations and all of those things. So it is, it's, you know, I talk a lot about this. I feel like that training that I've been really fortunate to have in terms of that alternative dispute resolution training and how to, um, how to actually, um, effectively negotiate and work your way through through conflict it's the most valuable training of, of everything I've ever done of all the studies that is by far um, the most valuable training not just from a professional perspective but even just from a, a, a personal perspective so I would highly recommend it to anyone listening who hasn't done training in that area and particularly for someone who works in real estate it's it's invaluable and it would have been invaluable for you in your negotiations with government because I know you've been instrumental in, in bringing through some pretty impressive reforms during your time with both South Australia and Queensland. Can you talk about some of those highlights? I'd love to talk about those highlights because advocacy is my passion. I do love it. That's, that's the part of my job I really love most. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I think... So both in South Australia and in Queensland, I, I was involved in, in I guess, leading um, really significant legislative reform in, in both of those jurisdictions. And I think, I think that what I enjoy about it is that that balancing act that you have to perform, where you have to go in and clearly when you work for REIQ or RESA, you're barracking, if you like, you're supporting the industry you represent. Um, but you also have to consider the other stakeholders. You know, you have to consider the impact 
impact on consumers, on clients. Um, then you have to look at things from government's perspective. Um, and that's what I really enjoyed doing, getting in a room and you come in with a list of things you want, they come in with a list of things they want, and you negotiate your way through What's, what's the stuff that is dying the ditch? We are not walking out of here until we get that. That is non-negotiable. And then and what so is that things, where you start? Do you yeah, start with the absolutely non-negotiables? Yeah? Well, it depends. I think it depends on who's in the room and, yeah. and the personality. So I don't know that there's a precise formula. I'm a big believer with starting with the difficult stuff because I think sometimes what happens is people want to start with the easy things. Yeah, the quick wins. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get to the end and you're like, okay, now let's deal with the beast that we've all been avoiding. So, yeah. again, you know, from my perspective, I think it's beneficial to start with the really tough stuff and, and then that way you can sort of focus on those big things and then the little things sort of fall into place. Sort themselves pretty. out. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I'm not saying it's not quite as black and white as that, but, Yeah. You did an incredible campaign during COVID and I do want to talk to you about leading through COVID because it's an interesting time and um, I found, and I'm sure you found the same thing, there are a lot of people out there panicking, there are a lot of people um, catastrophizing uh, rather than focusing on, and I know you did the same thing that I did, you focused on the here and now, you focused on what you could do to help your members today without predicting the disaster that may or may not come down the track. Yeah, would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree. And I would say to you, Leanne, that it's probably been, uh, you know, we face lots of leadership challenges, but this is by far the most significant. But I, you know, again, I try and be, I try and find positive in everything. And I think it has made me a better leader. And it also makes Oh, because I think what it really has made me understand is the importance that this organisation has to the real estate industry. You know, sometimes we over, sometimes we we make things harder than they need to be. What people were really looking for was just. They, they were looking for hope and guidance. Even if um, there were some days when you would, do, when when I would do a video update and I would go, oh, I don't have all the answers that they want, but I'll give them this piece of information and I'll tell them what we're working on. And people were so grateful for that, Leanne. Yeah. You know, just yeah. knowing that that we were touching base with them on a regular basis, that we we didn't know we didn't know what would happen next week, but here's what now looks like. These are the things we're working on. Reminding them that we had the support here at REIQ, the various advice lines and services that we offer. People were so grateful and, and I was really overwhelmed by the number of phone calls and emails where people were saying thank you. There would be times, a lot of the times I would do just the videos were, were filmed on a mobile phone at my house sitting on my couch. Yeah. And there were some times where I would get to the end of the video which my husband would take on a mobile phone and I would say to him, oh, that was pretty dreadful. Oh, and he said, and he would say, why was it dreadful? And I'd say, well, I don't think it's enough. You know, it doesn't give them all the answers that they want. And yet, immediately after it, people would be saying, thank you so much. That's so helpful. And so I think you re- like, I think we, we convince ourselves that we have to know everything and that if we don't know everything, 
we fail. And so I think it's taught me that if you're honest with people about what you what you know, people appreciate that. People just appreciated agents and, and the real estate community just appreciated knowing that we were in their corner, mm-hmm. that we were we we had their best interests at heart and that we were fighting for them and we were fighting for fair. And and that and that really worked really, really well. And um but I mean in terms of that Everyone Matters campaign, I've got to say mm-hmm. to you. We, we've obviously been, I'm really thankful we've received a lot of recognition for that campaign and I'm grateful for that. It, it was by far the most successful campaign I think this organisation has ever run in its history. But I have to say, whilst we led it, and I'm really proud of the work that REIQ did, no doubt about it, you know, what's important to remember about that campaign is that it was effective because of the power of, of people. I, I know that sounds cliche, but you know, we led that campaign. Our Minister for Housing came out and made an announcement Thursday, just the Thursday just before Easter. And it was what was being proposed was there's no other word for it, just outrageous. It was, and, yeah. and so it, it devastated me because on Thursday, just before the Easter break, I had to go on air and tell the real estate community what was being proposed. It, it shattered me. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of fell apart a bit that day and then immediately the next day I woke up and I went, right, I'm, I'm doing, you know, we've got a plan. And so we, I spent that entire Easter long weekend working on that, working on this enormous letter to the Premier about why they were making a drastic mistake, working on all the resources and tools for the campaign, and then we launched it. Straight after we got back from that Easter break, we launched it. Mm -hmm. Again, nothing more than a couch and a mobile phone, and and but because because it was such an important issue, in three days, Leanne, we, we got... They did a total backflip. Government did a total backflip. And I think the campaign ended up attracting about 440, like the engagement was about 450,000 people that got involved and just volumes and volumes of letters being sent to the Premier. And that was led by the REIQ, but it was... It was not just real estate community, like a big chunk of the Queensland community um, got involved in that. I've never seen anything like it. It yeah, was really, it was, it was extraordinary. And, and to be really clear about what we were fighting for, you know, we did get, as you can imagine, we did cop some criticism from some some segments of the community, which which is always the way. But I felt like it was a very fair campaign. We weren't saying we don't care about tenants. We didn't say that at all. We never said that. We just said what you're proposing is unfair and just so ridiculously imbalanced and it will shatter, it will shatter um, the the value of property in Queensland and decimate property investment. And it would have, Leanne. I, yeah, I'm not one absolutely. to yeah. I believe in being hysterical, but in my heart of hearts, that, that's what I know it would have done. And where we landed in the end was a very, very fair outcome that absolutely took into account tenants' interests. Um, and so I think, it was a, I think it was a good outcome and I think in the end the result we got demonstrated that, um, you know, that, that the, the real estate community actually does care, that we're not, you know, I think sometimes we are perceived in a certain way and, uh, and I think 
I think that's really unfortunate. And I think that campaign demonstrated that that we actually do care. We care about everyone and, and we and we just want fair, balanced, um, you know, legislative frameworks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a remarkable campaign. So congratulations to you on that. Congratulations to you on the way that you have led through COVID because it's been hard. It's been a really hard time, but you have done a fantastic job. And what an interesting career. So thank you so much for taking the time. I really, it's been really lovely. Thank you, Leanne. I really appreciate it. I thank you so much for inviting me on. And uh, it was, you know, really wonderful to also watch what REINSW was doing during this pandemic and indeed all of the other REIs around the country. I think we should all feel really proud of our collective efforts. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think everybody has really stepped up to the plate and demonstrated the value, as you said before, in the associations and, and the peak bodies around the country. So thank you. And I will look forward to catching up with you very soon. Thanks so much, Leanne.